Hey everyone and welcome. I am so glad you're here today. Uh, I am Kathy and I am welcoming you, those wonderful women of WOW and all of the other guests who are joining us today from either Facebook or YouTube or my new uh, podcast uh, that you can find on Spotify by looking at Living Forward. I hope you'll join me there so that you can download a podcast and then uh, take it with you wherever you go and you don't have to be on the internet. We are starting our nine-week lessons on the nine different kinds of fruit. And these are the fruit that we want to exhibit every day. Hey, how did you do last week after our introduction? Did you begin to spill fruit? Anybody? Well, we're all spilling something, but what is it you're spilling? I hope it's some of that really good fruit that is described in Galatians. That is the focus for this series. It's Galatians 5 verses 22 through 23. I introduced it last week, and this week we begin with love. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you, grab your Bible. I'll be giving you several different passages today, and if you have your notepad, you are ready to go. Now, some of you don't like to use a notepad. That is perfectly fine. You do the study any way that you want to do it. You can listen, you can watch, you can write, you can read, however is best for you. I'm just delighted that you are joining us. Now, let's see if we remember the nine fruit, because this is what we want to think deeply about, this list of nine, because this is how our faith walk is measured to the degree to which we are living or spilling out these nine characteristics. So let's go. Ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the nine. Well, this is a list of virtues that Christians are to live by. And Paul introduced this to us in the book of Galatians. He was writing to the church of Galatia because they were thinking that they just had to do good works, good deeds. But he was trying to show them that we are known by our attitude and how we demonstrate all of this fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And that's what he was teaching. So it's a lesson for us too. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells within us once we accept Christ as our personal Savior. So he, God has given us this free will, and we get to choose what kind of fruit we are going to display. We get to choose whether we're going to display that good, juicy, ripe, vibrant fruit of the Spirit, or if we are going to choose on any given day or any moment that rotten, overripe fruit of the vices. We choose that. We get to decide every day with every encounter which fruit we are going to spill. Well, love is the first one that's described in the fruit of the spirit list in Galatians. How in the world do we show love? 
What does it even mean? Well, do you agree with the guy who said, to live above with those we love, oh, how that will be glory. To live below with those we know, now that's another story. <laughs> Can anybody relate to that? <coughs> Pardon me, still battling the cough. I have a new treatment plan, so I appreciate your prayers for that. I'll have to have a, a cough drop, it seems, this morning to get through. Well, it's hard to love some people, isn't it? On earth below, it's hard to love people. Even people in the church can be difficult to love, can't they? You know, we used to sing a chorus in the church that's, that when I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Do y'all remember that? And we would sing it and sing it, but then we might look at the person next to us and, and think, I'm surprised he's a part of the family of God. <laughs> Can you relate to that too? Oh my goodness, we get so judgmental, don't we? Some hard, times it's really hard to love our own family members. Maybe you can relate to that one. Can anybody relate to that one? One guy told his wife that if she really loved him, she should have married someone else. <laughs> is that not a twisted concept of love? <laughs> the point is that sometimes loving others is a real challenge. Well, today, let's see if we can get a handle on love. I'm going to read out a list of characteristics and you see if any of these are what pull you off of that path that we want to be on that moves us closer to Christ. So here comes the list. Just listen for those that might um, pertain to you. Here we go. Impatience, unkindness, envy, boastfulness, arrogance, dishonoring others, selfishness, how about anger, keeping score, evil ways, hating the truth, not available when needed, a lack of trust, hopelessness, giving up, or feelings of failure. Anybody? Did that catch anybody? Oh, yes, I can find myself in those from time to time. That's uh, that's natural for us, isn't it? But we want to those, those characteristics to be few and far between because that does not <clears throat> demonstrate spilling the good fruit. Well, the list I read were characteristics that were the exact opposite of the traits found in the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. You may have recognized some of those as being quite opposite what you read there. We're going to look at the verses that, that give us the characteristics of true love. Well, in one of his devotionals a couple of years ago, Pastor Nathan wrote 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, in the opposite way. He took each of the characteristics of love and put the opposite in, in its place. And that's what I just read to you. That was that list. Well, I thought it would be good, a good reminder to read that version that he wrote to show how 
we can find ourselves not living according to the love that God has designed for us to live. So here it is, as hard as it is to hear, let's do it. Listen to these characteristics. Well, love is impatient. Love is unkind. It is envious. It boasts all the time and is arrogant. It dishonors other people and is selfish. It is easily angered and constantly keeps a scorecard of times hurt. Love delights in evil and hates the truth. It is never around when needed. It will not trust anyone, says there is no hope, and gives up easily. Love is a failure. Wow. That's just the opposite of what those words really say. But that's how some people may live out their life thinking that they are demonstrating love. Oh, are we just often impatient and unkind and boastful and angry? Well, when we display those traits, we're not walking in the way God would have us to do. And those are sinful behaviors and they're the opposite of love. Let's look at the actual passage and let's now hone in on those characteristics of love that we are to demonstrate. Keeping in mind, that Jesus commanded us to do two things, to love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. That means everything about us is to love God. And then the other thing, the other commandment, he said, and love others. Those are the two. Jesus told us to love. Those were his commandments. Well, let's see how this love is supposed to look in our lives. <clears throat> so I'm reading from, once again, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. <clears throat> it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Did you get that? For always. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease, and where there are tongues, they will be stilled, and where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Well, Paul taught the Galatians, that this is love. Those are the characteristics of love. And when we demonstrate those things in our lives, we are spilling good fruit. We struggle with that though, don't we? Well, we're going to look today at other uh, examples. We're going to look at what Jesus said himself about love and how he demonstrated love because he is our number one coach and mentor when it comes to spilling out the fruit of the Spirit. And then I'm going to share with you some strategies that we might try to implement in our lives to demonstrate this love. Well, what does Jesus say? Um, what does he tell us about demonstrating these characteristics? Well, what he shows is that love is action. It's doing things that demonstrate those characteristics that are found in 1 Corinthians 13. It is action. No one showed the depth of love 
more than Jesus Christ. And when the disciples asked him the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love because that is the greatest. And the next one he said is like it. Love your neighbor as well. So in scripture, love is not a gray area. Jesus gave love priority over all the other Christian virtues. Every thought, every word, every act of goodwill has to pass through this fine filter of love or it really doesn't mean anything. Love is action. I just see that Cindy just posted that. Jesus demonstrated that love is action and that's what we want to demonstrate in our lives. So how are you doing with that today? Uh, anybody want to write down some examples of how to demonstrate love in your life and how maybe somebody has demonstrated love to you? I think that would be a good thing for you to start uh, promoting and, and sharing with us. We would love to hear that. Well, let's look at examples of how Jesus showed love. First of all, Jesus healed the sick in love. We learn in Matthew 14, verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. See, during Jesus' earthly ministries, there were no hospitals or clinics or doctor's offices or urgent care. <laughs> the, the threat of incurable illnesses that were due to infections and fevers and food poisoning plagued both the rich and the poor. It cut across all social groups. But Jesus, the great physician, felt amazing love for those who felt helpless by disease. Many of the religious leaders of the day, though, thought that if you were physically disabled, you were cursed by God. And I thank you for posting all those ways that you uh, are uh, writing about how to demonstrate love and, and maybe those that you have received. Well, the next thing Jesus did is he fed the hungry in love. <coughs> Notice he did all of these actions in love. What we read in Matthew 15, verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have, and get this word, compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Well, in one of the greatest miracles ever, Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fishes to feed 5,000 men plus the women and children. See, sometimes that goes unnoticed. They only counted the men. Okay, well... We won't, we won't go there, but they only counted the men, but there were women and children there also. Now, these were not mildly hungry people. They had not eaten in three days. They had been listening and taking in the precious words of Jesus, and he performed a miracle to feed them. Jesus wants us to love the hungry for him. Well, Jesus loved the people who were distressed. Matthew 9, 36 tells us, when he saw the crowds, he had, and here's the word again, compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. See, he was just drawn to those who were being bullied, who were being sidelined. He was drawn like a magnet to them. And what Jesus wants for us to do, he wants to love us to love the distressed people, the helpless people for him. Well, Jesus showed love to the leper. The world, even the religious world of the day, met the leper with repulsion and disgust and scorn. But Christ met the leper with compassion. The world would draw away from them. They were repelled by those with leprosy, but Jesus was drawn to them. Who in our community or our world is met with disgust and hatred? Jesus wants us to love those who we meet who are um, hated by others, and he wants us to do it for him. Well, Jesus showed love even when he was very busy. He stood still to listen to the cry of two blind beggars, although he was on a very important and urgent business mission. But what Matthew 20, verse 32 tells us, Jesus stopped just right there. Let's look at that example. He stopped. He stopped in the middle of Walmart. He stopped in the middle of Target. He stopped on the way to the mailbox. He stopped and he called out, what do you want me to do for you? You know, he said, what do you need? It looks as if I could do something to help you. Wow, he asked. And you know what they said? Lord, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them. And he touched their eyes. And immediately they received sight and followed him. See, he stopped in his busyness. And he helped someone because he was tuned in. He was listening and he was watching. He was observing. Jesus wants us to show love for others even when we're busy, for him. <clears throat> well, Jesus preached in love. We read in Matthew 6, verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, and here it is again, you know the word, compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. See, Jesus recognized the lost, and he had compassion on them. He wants us to show love for the lost. He wants us to show love to those who are not acting the way that we would expect people to act. They seem to have lost their way, and he wants us to show love to them for him. And then Jesus showed love through forgiveness. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus, how often we are to forgive someone who's wronged us. And Jesus answered, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now we know in scripture, numbers mean words, they're symbolic. And that number seven is a symbol for perfection. So do you see in saying that it's just endless, endless the number of times we are to extend forgiveness. Now, that doesn't, forgiveness involves a whole lot of 
a lot of things. It's a simple concept, but it does not necessarily mean a reconciliation with someone who is exhibiting unhealthy behaviors towards you. It does mean, though, that we are to forgive those actions and let go. Jesus wants us to show love through forgiveness for him. You know, it's clear Jesus loved everybody, and his actions showed it. His attitude showed it. After Jesus told his disciples that their mission on earth was to love God and to love others, he went on to say this. This is the part that we sometimes forget, and it is so important. Write this passage down or look, look it up in your Bible. It is John 13, verse 35, and this is what Jesus said after he answered the question about the most important of the commandments, to love him and to love others. And he said, by this, this meaning, loving me and loving others, all people will know that you are my disciples. That's how they'll know. If you have love for one another, <clears throat> that's how you will be known. That's what he told them. Notice Jesus did not say that, that you, you're going to be known as my disciples if you wear a Christian t-shirt or if you have a, a fish emblem on your car or if you wear a WWJD bracelet or, or if you wear a cross around your neck or one on your arm. He said that's not it. The action of love is what distinguishes the Christian. The fruit of love spilled out for him and for others reveals whether or not we are Christians. That's it. That's how we will be known. That's a, there's a beautiful Christian folk song that repeats those words. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love, yes, They'll know we are Christians by our love. That's how the world knows us. And the opposite of that are all those characteristics that I read earlier. If we didn't demonstrate any of those, then, then people are saying, that's, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one of those. You know, we have seen a lot of things, a lot of behavior either in our personal life or in the national life of people who claim to be followers of Christ, but they're not demonstrating these characteristics, are they? And so you just wonder what the world is saying and what non-Christians are saying about the acts of those who claim to be followers of Christ. But when we put the traits side by side of those who demonstrate love and those who demonstrate the opposite, then it's really clear that is how we are known. I see by your responses that uh, you are that is all resonating with you. But Jesus says, we're to show love all the time, everywhere, to everyone. Oh my goodness, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, that means love in action, acting in love to people who rub us the wrong way. Has that happened to anybody this week? You know, there's there are some good things about being inside and being alone, aren't there? I just said that. <laughs> you know, you can avoid those people who rub you the wrong way. Well, and then 
There are those people in our family, in our workplace, or our church or community who just drive us crazy. How about this? Those who have, uh, those whose extroverted personality truly annoy you. <laughs> they drive you crazy. Or maybe the person who's just, just too quiet, and that drives you crazy. You know, those with the opposite personality traits. And then how about this? There are those who have the opposite political views from you, and that drives you crazy. Nevertheless, we are to act in love. Well, as Christians, how do we show love to difficult people? Because Christ calls us to love, get these two words, selflessly and ceaselessly. Selflessly and ceaselessly. It's not about us. Regardless of our views, we are still to demonstrate Christ's love to, to persons who make different choices from ours. You know, perhaps instead of judging people for their sins, we can adopt Billy Graham's philosophy. Here's what he said. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's our job to love. Isn't that a great philosophy to live by. I'll say that again in case you'd like to write that down. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge, and it's our job to love. You know, when we demonstrate love and not judgment, we draw people to us rather than repel them. You know, and it doesn't always mean that our actions have to indicate we're condoning behavior that we don't approve of, that's not a part of our value system. But our actions of love indicate we're not judging them, we're loving them in spite of the differences. So are we then just supposed to force a smile and fake a laugh while inside we're cringing or or crying or wanting to run away and hide from these people who irritate us? How can we possibly be genuine with all the negative emotions that are just about to uh, broil over underneath the surface? You know, think about what gets in the way of you acting in love. Is it pride? Is it a hurried life? Is it apathy? Maybe it's lack of information. Is it your anger? Do you feel too busy to be bothered? Is it more important to be right than righteous? Do you find it just too hard to love somebody? Is it easier just to pull all of your, put all of your love in those in your family rather than those outside? Or is it easier to love those outside your family than to love those inside your family? Well, whatever obstacle it is, it doesn't change God's expectation for us to act in love. It's our responsibility to overcome the obstacles. It's our responsibility to overcome whatever obstacles are in the way. 
so that we can show love and be God's light in the world. That's what we're called to be. We are called to be his light in the world, to show them the way. It's our, it's our responsibility. It's the expectation that God has for us to spill love to others, to do as Jesus commands and love others selflessly and ceaselessly means we love unconditionally. And in order to do that, we need to love ourselves first. You know, we love ourselves because God loved us first. And we are to love what God loves. You know, for some, that's really just an important aspect to focus on today, that sometimes we don't love ourselves. And we need to remember that we are to do that because God loved us first. And we're to love all things that God loves. And so if you're struggling with loving yourself, it's time to seek some help with that and to ask a trusted counselor or a friend, a family member, and express your, your concerns about self because we need to love self in order to know how to love others. You know, unconditional love does not mean that uh, you should just accept hurtful and toxic behaviors. Unconditional, unconditional love means that you accept a person for who they are and they may have faults and weaknesses but it does not mean that you accept their toxic behaviors in your life and sometimes we love people by setting those hard boundaries that's what God wants us to do we love others by setting the boundaries and not enabling them but loving them helping them, helping them to do the things they cannot do for themselves. But when hurt comes in continuously, or when abuse and cheating are involved, a commitment in that relationship should end. And the way to love God and love yourself and to love others is to put a clear boundary in that relationship. Otherwise, we are to love others unconditionally just on and on selflessly. Well, let's look at some tips to practice unconditional love. And so number one, I would say is welcome people like friends rather than strangers. Love often begins with just our attitude toward people. A Christ-like attitude toward people welcomes them instead of excluding them. I know if you are a part of a group, uh, like you're a part of a wonderful large group, if you are a member of WOW, and many are a, a member of smaller groups, or, or you're in a workplace, and when new people come in, sometimes we want to gather our, our, our troops together and kind of uh, evaluate new person to see if they're going to be a good fit, but that's not welcoming them. That is not showing unconditional love. Unconditional love begins with our attitude toward the outsider. And a Christ-like attitude extends the gift of hospitality and welcome to others so that they never feel excluded. I think that's one of the trademarks of our wonderful Bible study on Wednesday mornings that we welcome people. It is something that um, I take great pride in. Um, it's important. I practiced that when I was a classroom teacher of welcoming all and treating them equally. 
because that's what Christ would have us to do. Number two, I said, love is not how you feel. I want to pause there. It's not just a feeling. It's more about how you act and the attitude you display. Let me say that again. Love is not just how you feel. It's about how you act and the attitude you display. Our feelings often betray us. See, when we act in love, even when we don't feel loving, that is unconditional love, that selfless love. Acting in love, even when we don't feel loving, because that's what we're supposed to do. Act and the feeling will follow. Well, number three, I say, is loving acts are very individual. They're very individual because it's based on what others need. I, I encourage you to, if you haven't already done the love languages assessment, I encourage you to do that and have your family members to do that or members of your inner circle because that will tell you how this person best receives love. And then you feed into that and you support them in the way they experience love. And then for people that we don't know, provide loving acts based on the needs of people that you don't know. <coughs> and number four is, is so simple. It is smile. That is such a wonderful way to demonstrate love. You know, whether you are encountering a frustrated clerk in a store or a mother with an armful of children and groceries who is really struggling, a smile is so important. It shows empathy. It shows compassion. It shows love. I've, I've taught this many times to learn to have a smile as your go-to facial expression. That means you practice. That means you have to look in a mirror. <laughs> oh yes, you need to look in a mirror. Catch yourself in a mirror. If people are consistently asking you, uh, is something wrong? Or you look unhappy, but you don't really feel that, then your go-to expression is probably not one that's demonstrating love. The simple act of smiling can communicate warmth and welcome and love and hospitality, and that can open the way for a conversation. Smiling is the simplest thing that we can do. Uh, number five, pay attention and act. Pay attention. We want to be aware of the needs of people in our neighborhood, in our church family, in a small group, in any kind of community or workplace. <clears throat> do you often find that you will pray about a need, but you don't actually become the hands and feet of Jesus, but you're good to pray about it? Well, love in action means that you put action into the prayer. That's what I believe prayer is for us. It is a call to action. It is a call to act loving toward God and loving toward others. And when we pray for someone who's going through a trauma or facing a, a, 
a, a death, a loss of a loved one, or a new diagnosis, they might need more than just a thought that we have. But a prayer is a call to action to send a card, send a text, make a phone call, make a meal, do something that's going to show that you love them, provide transportation, send a donation, sweep someone's porch, cut those tree limbs, send a card, listen to someone. Once again, our group is so good to do that. We post our needs on our Facebook page. We send them out in emails and you respond so beautifully. And if you're not a part of that wonderful uh, parade of doers, um, then I encourage you to do that. It is so affirming. Susan Higgins is our communications, I mean, our membership coordinator. She's constantly letting us know about needs and she gives us the address to send the card and she makes it so simple for us to reach out and respond. Number six is practice forgiveness. Choose to act in a better way. That's really what it is. We choose to act in a better way when we're forgiving. It doesn't mean condoning. Forgiving means letting go. Let go of anger and bitterness and show love through kindness. Forgive so that you will be forgiven. Number seven, practice unconditional love. And here, here is the challenge that I'm putting out there with a simple act every day. Try to do this at least once a day. Give something and not want anything in return. And that can be so many things. <clears throat> it can be letting someone through the door first. That's just a simple act you can do. Give another person the way in traffic. Uh, oh goodness, that's a hard one for me. Y'all know I'm always in a hurry, and I, but I'm, I'm working on that, and I'm trying to give way, <laughs> give way to others, or tell someone you love them without expecting to hear it back in return. There are so many ways just to do a little act of kindness, and so make that a challenge to show love every day in some simple act. Do something every day. It's hard to do those acts of love on our own because we begin to think about how hard it is and how uncomfortable it is and how to do things for people we don't know or people we don't like. But there's one true source of compassion and strength and love, and that is God. And that has been seen through all the acts of Jesus that we read about. Did you hear the consistent theme of compassion? That is what we learn from him, having compassion. His love is modeled in this poem that I want to read. It's called, What is Love? And, and the author is anonymous, Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous. It is silence when your words would hurt. Love is patience when your neighbor is curt. Love is deafness when a scandal flows. Love is thoughtfulness for others' woes. Love is promptness when stern duty calls. And love is courage when misfortune falls. Beautiful words as a reminder of what to do, whether it's to be silent or to act. <clears throat> Let's remember to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment to act in love. We're expected to do that. Love God and love others. You know, we are to sow love. 
S-O-W, sew it. And so I close with this illustration. On November 13, 1946, Vincent Schaefer, a chemist, was able to cause a snowfall in Western Massachusetts after he released six pounds of dry ice in the cloud from an airplane. Upon takeoff, Vincent Schaefer flew his single propeller plane into a cumulus cloud and he dumped that dry ice. Well, eyewitnesses on the ground said the cloud seemed to explode with snowfall that was visible for 40 miles. He showed that such seeding could produce artificial snow or rain. Cloud seeding is a type of weather modification that aims to change the amount or type of precipitation that falls from clouds by seeding them with these particles that actually change the cloud. Cloud seeding. Sowing seeds will change the cloud. Sowing seeds will affect the future of that cloud. And just as Vincent Schaefer did, we want to sow today what we want to see tomorrow. That's what Christ has asked us to do. Sow seeds of good fruit and change the environment. He wants us to sow love everywhere all the time and change the world one act of love at a time. Let's spill fruit and sow seeds of love. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your Son to this earth to demonstrate love, to show compassion through what he said and what he did for others. Help us to be inspired by his example. Help us to take the words that we have learned from Paul about demonstrating love in 1 Corinthians. Help us this week to sow seeds and spill fruit. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I pray that you have a blessed day and that you will go out and spill some love and share it with us. Let us know what you're doing. Bye now.